Hello and welcome to Basket Bubble, the podcast about the NBA and life inside the Walt Disney World bubble. I'm Matthew and I'm joined as always by my co-host, the equally injured Bam Adebayo to my Goran Dragic, Bodhi. Bodhi, how are you doing on this Sunday evening? I am doing my best to maintain the professionalism required of an amateur podcast host. That's the way I like to hear things. I am excited to inform all of you that I'm apparently close enough friends to Ronnie Brewer that I can text him a day before and he will agree to be on my extraordinarily professional podcast. Buddy, Ronnie and I talked earlier tonight before game three of this series and so let's jump into that before you and I jump into more deep analysis on this final series. So this is my interview earlier on Sunday with Ronnie Brewer. I am back with my dear friend, Ronnie Brewer. Ronnie Brewer was on the podcast a couple months ago, right before we got into the playoffs. And we are back with Ronnie. We've seen just a couple of games into the NBA Finals so far. The Lakers and the Heat will play later this evening. And my co-host, Bodie, and I will talk about that once that game's over. But I want to welcome back Ronnie Brewer. Ronnie, thanks for joining me again. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's dig into the bubble overall. When you and I talked, we were going into some seeding games. We were kind of getting an idea of what the playoffs were going to look like. What's been your overall thoughts when we look at what we saw out of this bubble? Um, it's been great. Some very competitive games. I think the NBA did, did was spot on with the setup they had and the playing games and you know, if you've been watching it, you've seen tremendous performances across the board with a lot of different guys. A lot of different guys separated themselves as, you know, superstars and elite players. And, you know, the playoffs has been a little up and down. You know, a lot of surprises. Everybody thought that it was going to be a, a Clippers-Lakers conference final. And, you know, the winner of that would win the NBA finals. But, you know, there's been a lot of shocking performances, uh, a lot of great team performances and um, looking forward to the, these finals and the Miami Heat, I think, surprised a lot of people. I, I think everybody everybody assumed, well, the Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks are where they're going to be the teams to beat, or even the Sixers, a healthy Sixers team might be in the mix. But I think the Heat is the biggest surprise for me. Uh, Jimmy Butler's really led that team, and Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, as well as a lot of supporting cast on that team has played tremendously um, throughout the playoffs, you know, knocked off a, a really well-coached um, Celtic team. And then you look on the other side with the with the Lakers, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is one of the best one-two punches that you have in basketball. And I think a lot of their role players have stepped up and, you know, allowed them to take this early 2-0 lead in the finals. And, they defeated a lot of good teams. A gritty, different nugget team that went to two Game 7 series and knocked off really good teams. You look at the makeup of the Nuggets roster, and you know they have the potential to be good for a long period of time. So um, it's a lot of things that are going and looking up for the NBA um, in its future. And uh, a lot of bright stars stepped up and kind of put their, their mark on the, uh, on the playoffs in the NBA season. 
so some of the things that have stuck out to me, and maybe you can touch on this a little bit, is some players that have really, really surprised me in a lot of ways is someone like Jamal Murray, a players like Bam Adebayo, who we knew had a lot of talent. Those two guys in particular had a lot of talent, but have really found ways to shine really brightly here in this bubble. Do you think that it's a product of the bubble itself? Do you think that for these guys, it's really just right time, right place? What is it about? Let's look at like Jamal Murray, for example, with the Denver Nuggets. What is it about this specific instance that really gave him opportunities to just be the great consistent scorer that he was in this playoffs? I think that you, you see guys in the bubble uh, finding their rhythm um, and just taking off with it. I, I think guys like Luka Doncic, everybody knows his superstar power. He came in and, and took the bubble by storm, the playoffs by storm. Devin Booker's another guy that's played phenomenal in in the bubble in the playoffs. Dame Lillard, you know, set himself apart by how he carried the the, the Blazers. Bam out of bio, you know, kind of solidified as you know the next best big in the East <clears throat> with his performances throughout the playoffs. The Tyler Heroes. Stepping up big for for Miami, Jamal Murray. You know he literally was playing one of the best back to back to back games um, that you can have in, in a playoff series. So I looked at the depth perception. You know, there's not a lot of fans in the, in the in the arena. There's not background movement, and guys are really finding their rhythm and staying locked in and staying locked in for a long period of time. So uh, that's why I think a lot of the high scoring. Numbers you saw, not that they're not playing defense, not that they're not trying hard, but they're making it look easy because they're getting in the rhythm and, and the basket is looking extremely big when they're when they're shooting the basketball. Let's jump into these finals just a little bit. We're looking at it's three o'clock on Sunday. We're right before game three of this series. In game two, we did not see Bam Adebayo. We did not see Goran Dragic due to injuries. Uh, it's looking like Drogic will not be playing, at least tonight, probably not the rest of the series with the injury that he has. How does this affect this Miami Heat team, having these two huge scoring presence not on the floor? Well, the the great thing about the Miami Heat is all season they've had to battle through injuries. You know, when going Drogic was hurt early, Kendrick Nunn like, got to step mm. in and contribute at a high level. You know, he wasn't he wasn't playing that much in these playoff series, but now Drogic is is out. It's the next man up. Um you you got guys like Kelly Olenek who wasn't playing a lot. Now, you know, Bam is out. He he gets a lot more playing time and and, and he's uh more in, in the rotation. Uh but you've got guys um who's gotta step up and contribute and, and help um Jimmy Butler. He's consistent, he's gonna play hard. He um, is going to be a leader, but you need guys like Tyler Hero and uh, Duncan Robinson to, to um, knock down shots, to expand the defense. And you need um, consistent contributors like Andre Godala and um, uh, Jay Crowder to come in and help on both ends of the floor. Not only be a presence offensively, but help uh, lessen the load defensively for Jimmy because it's, it's a hard guard having to guard. LeBron James or Anthony Davis for an entire game and try to hold them under their averages. 
Yeah, speaking of LeBron and AD, throughout these playoffs, we've just seen the further along we get in these playoffs, just the more dominant that the two of them look. I've heard some talk a little bit about um, LeBron James is not putting up the numbers that he normally does, but he still looks just as dominant and knows when he needs to turn it on, he will, like he did in that in that final game against Denver. When we look at LeBron James compared to Anthony Davis, right now as it stands, who do you think is the better player? Or does it matter? To me, I don't think it really matters who, who's better because they contribute differently and they have different value to the team. Uh, I, I think year 17 for LeBron, he's averaged the most assists that he had in his entire career because he doesn't have to shoot more. He doesn't have to carry the team that he's done in the past. Um, he has guys that he can defer to. Uh, Anthony Davis is, is for sure a great option to defer to. You know, I think throughout the playoffs and throughout the season, he's kept and stayed playing at a high level. And I mean, it's, it to me, it does both those guys an injustice to say this person is more valuable or this person is better because I think they both are super valuable at what they do um, and just as important to the franchise. Well, I think part of the reason that this conversation is coming up is is there is this forever long conversation around, is Michael Jordan better than LeBron James? Is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan? Uh, as we're looking at the finals right now, if it were to end today, Anthony Davis would undoubtedly be finals MVP. Does that matter when we look at the macro scale of LeBron James as the greatest of all time? Does this lack of huge numbers in a finals game work as a minus against him in the long run, do you think? No, because I, I think it's it's different. It's a hard comparison when you when you think of comparing uh, Michael Jordan and, and LeBron or, or you know, if, if you stop the playoffs right now, I, I think that Anthony Davis has done enough to garner playoff MVP. And that doesn't take anything away that LeBron has not had a phenomenal playoff run because he's had triple doubles in the in the playoffs and he's he's done it at the biggest games, like game seven, you know, to get to the finals, triple double to lead your team. But again, Anthony Davis played phenomenal. Big shot after big shot. You know, leading the team and scoring majority of the time and rebounding. His value is is, is kind of not talked about as much. You know, a guy that can you know space the floor, shooting threes. A guy who can post up. A guy that has a mismatch every single time he touches the the, the, the basketball. I think his skill set allows other people to have an advantage uh, on the floor because you know you have to show more detail, more attention to him um, wherever he is on the floor. It's hard to kind of between Jordan and, and LeBron, the comparison, because Jordan went there when he did go six times, nobody beat him. If you want to say, to me, I think LeBron is one of the best players in any sport with longevity. Like he's played 17 years and he's been on top of his game for 17 years. Like he's been in the talk of top five in a league for 17 years. And that's, that's in itself is, is a task that, I don't see has been done or you don't see in sports. I mean, maybe a field goal kicker, maybe a pitcher who doesn't have to perform every, every night and every game. 
maybe a golfer, but um, basketball, football, you don't see that. And so that achievement in itself is 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 a really uh, impressive. Who has been the biggest surprise for you so far in the postseason, whether it's a player, whether it's a team? Uh, I think Tyler Hero. I mean, he's, I mean, think about it. He's he's what nineteen or twenty years old. Yeah, twenty four months ago, he was starring in high school, <laughs> uh, and you know he goes he does one year in at Kentucky, and now he's in the finals, getting switched on LeBron James, one of the best players in the world, and maybe of all time. So he surprised me because he still plays with a lot of poise and knocking down big shot after big shot, and he's not really super rattled when you know it's so much up and down as a, as a rookie with consistency. And so, um, you know, he's very surprising. I think the heat team in itself is very surprising. You know, to me, it, it, it it's not very surprising to see the Lakers in the final time, the Lakers to have that much dominance. Like you, you surround, you know, LeBron with, with really good players. He's going to be successful. You, you have Anthony Davis who might be, I mean, a unanimous top three to five player in the league. And LeBron is the unanimous top one or two player in the league, um, depending on who you ask. You put them on the same team with great coaches and great role players around them. You don't really need a third option. You know, I think their third option, Kuzma and, and you know. Playoff Rondo. <laughs> Rondo, Dwight Howard, I, I, I don't know. KCP, you just need those guys to to play their role and be super solid. And, and I think Danny Green and those guys – know just that that hey you know these guys are going to carry us to the promised land we need to knock down a shot here and there or get some defensive stops and you know we'll make it to the finals and that's exactly what they did let's jump back out just a little bit macro level here we've seen quite a few coaching rearrangements already let's talk a little bit about billy donovan going to chicago you spent some time in chicago mm-hmm. you also spent some time in okc do you think billy donovan's going to be a good fit with the chicago team yeah, I think I think he'll be a good fit, man. There's some really young talent in Chicago. Got a lot of potential. Got a top four pick this year in the draft, and the management is willing to work with them to get better. And so they shook some things up top, which then brought in um, Billy Donovan. And I think he's a really good coach. He's got a lot of basketball knowledge. He's had success across the board, and I think he can get those young guys to play hard for him. And I think that he'll build a culture where it's going to get back to winning in Chicago. We're looking at the NBA Finals. We've got Game 3 tonight. Who's winning? Who's winning the series? How many games, Ronnie? To be honest, I think the Lakers win tonight. For them, for the the Heat to win, you know, they have to play an almost perfect game. You know, guys got got to defend. you got to have a low turnovers. you you got to, you know, shoot lights out um, and then come up with um, a plan to try to slow down LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I, I don't think that they have that yet. I, I think that they're giving up way too many open threes. And, and, you know, I guess the idea was we'll, you know, allow them to shoot threes instead of getting the ball inside because they're undersized. But the Lakers have been hot from outside, and I think that that's going to continue to be the case. And I just don't see Miami switching it up because – that's kind of what you want to live with is them taking threes. So I think that they're going to continue to make them. I think the Heat probably, you know, win this game. Miami might win one, uh, so it might go to five um, because I don't know if 
Bam Adebayo is going to come back. I don't know about Drogic's level because he's coming off or he's injured. Um, and I don't know his injury status, but um, Lakers are playing really, really well. I don't see a, a drop off with so much on the line. So you're going to say Lakers worst case scenario in five? Yes. Wow. All right. Well, we shall see what happens. Ronnie Brewer, thank you so much for your time. I uh, appreciate you jumping on a call with me this afternoon. Man, thank you for having me. All right, so we, Bodie, we are three games into the NBA Finals. The Lakers lead two games to one, but you and I were talking right before we started recording that this two to one may be a little more deceptive than it actually is. Let's start by looking at game one here. Game one, we really saw this Lakers team dominate We saw 34 points out of Anthony Davis. We saw 35 with 13 rebounds and 9 assists from LeBron. Jimmy Butler was the only scorer in 20 or more for the Heat with 23. At one point in this first game, Bodie, the Lakers led by as much as 32 points. We also saw two pretty major injuries with Goran Dragic, going out in the second quarter with a torn plantar... F- How do we say Fasciitis. this? Fasciitis. Bless you. In the third quarter, we saw Bam Adebayo leave. It was eventually labeled a neck strain. And so uh, when we look at this first game, Bodie, it seemed like a lot of the air was taken out of the balloon for the Miami Heat. What do you think? The Lakers came out and after the first run that the heat had to get up early the lakers were determined to show the heat that they were the better team the lakers have this in them they can play kind of disinterested and then all of a sudden just turn it on and it's awesome when they turn it on and i think the run was 75 to 32 mm something like that that's that's unheard of that's that's unheard of out of a high school basketball game between <laughs> two schools that aren't in the same class the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals maybe something like that yeah <laughs> Metal Arc Lemon out there just <laughs> putting up 60 points uh, I just watched a movie with Metal Arc Lemon so that's why that name came to mind so quickly I love it LeBron and AD were the two best players on the court the Lakers just decided that night they're the best team in the league and they were going, the score was going to reflect that. Sometimes the game is as simple as that. When we look at this Miami Heat team, though, a lot of the reason that they were able to dominate as much as they did against a very good Milwaukee Bucks team, a very good Boston Celtics team, was behind the veteran leadership and scoring ability of Goran Dragic and the tenacity and strength of Bam Adebayo as arguably one of the best new big men out of the East. What does this do to this Miami Heat team with the two big players out for them? Well, without stepping, trying to step too much onto 
what has happened in the next games in the series. Not having Dragic makes Butler have to take more responsibility on the ball. It moves Tyler Hero up into the starting lineup. It it just it lessens the depth. These injuries really lessen the depth. But as far as how they affect the way the team plays, Jimmy Butler becomes so much more important as a ball handler. And then, well, I am going to step on the next two games. Not having Adebayo, the Heat have started Myers Leonard, but he hasn't really played that much. When Kelly Olenek has been the guy to get a lot of playing time and his shooting ability is stretching the Lakers defense in ways that they have not been comfortable with at all in the last two games. Let's take a minute to compare the playing style of Bam Adebayo to Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek is, you know, your stereotypical Northwestern, I think he's actually Canadian, but went to school in Gonzaga. You know, your your big, tall, goofy white guy who has the body of a big guy, but spends a lot of his time on the perimeter. This is a very different kind of defender than Bam Adebayo is when it comes to defending someone like Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, the big difference being Adebayo can defend him and Kelly Olenek cannot. <laughs> Defensively, yeah, that was that was really it. It's Adebayo is Anthony Davis Jr., you could say. Kelly Olenek is a stretch five who works. He works hard. He's smart. Kelly Olenek is not the same athletically as Bam Adebayo. He doesn't have the physical traits to guard somebody like Davis who is well, unlike anybody else in the league except for his new younger self, it appears. Well, when we look at game two, let's jump into that just a little bit. This is where you started to see a shift. I I was a little frustrated as I watched the Miami Heat team play defense in game two. And we'll jump into the offensive side a little bit. But from a defensive standpoint, they they threw a good amount of zone at this Los Angeles Lakers team, which has perplexed every team so far into these playoffs. Boston wasn't really able to beat it for a couple games. It really messed up the Milwaukee Bucks. But the thing that the Lakers have that none of those other teams had was an Anthony Davis who could live out at the perimeter and come in and get offensive rebound after offensive rebound. In this game, too, Anthony Davis had 32 points, 14 rebounds. Eight of those 14 rebounds were offensive rebounds, and I can almost guarantee you all eight of those rebounds were either second-chance points or he was fouled and went on to go and shoot two free throws. This made a huge difference for me and was interesting to see they eventually shifted away from this, Bodie, but this Miami defense really struggled. The results, yes. They struggled. The process, they got what they wanted. The Lakers shot an NBA record 47 three-pointers, an NBA Finals record 47 three-pointers. The Lakers aren't a very good three-point shooting team. They shot it well in game one for part of the game, but they really aren't that that good at it. And to get them to shoot that many three-pointers is a win. That's that's exactly what Miami wanted to do. What they couldn't do was rebound 
all those misses. They couldn't stop LeBron and AD. Well, really, it was LeBron and Rondo getting into the middle of the zone and making plays, or LeBron creeping along the baseline and getting getting buckets. The Lakers solved the zone because LeBron James solves everything. And Anthony Davis played like the best player in the world. He and LeBron played like the best players in the world in games one and two. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I When I look at this game, when you look at it on paper, this does not look like a competitive game. I'm looking at the NBA scores recap here, and we're looking at the lead tracker. The only time that the Miami Heat ever had a lead was very, very early in the first quarter. And after that, the Lakers dominated. But, you know, as you say here, I'm looking at this. The Lakers had 97 field goal attempts, which is obscene. 97 field goal attempts. That feels like a lot, right? It's a ton. <laughs> it's a it's a ton. And it, it's all those offensive rebounds. Yeah. And so one of the other interesting things I saw when looking up at this game, too, we saw LeBron James and Anthony Davis were the first Lakers duo to score at least 32 points in a finals game since 2002. But so so convince me that I'm wrong here, Bodie. You're talking about how game two was was potentially a turning point and building into this process for the Heat. Tell me why you think that. So it was all offensively for Miami. They scored excellent. I mean, their, their offensive rating, I don't have the number at hand, but it was absurd. And they only lost because the Lakers' offensive rating was even more absurd. The Miami Heat offensive rating was 125, and the yes. Lakers was 136. Yes. So every time Miami had the ball, they scored 1.25 points. That's by that would be by far the number one offense in the NBA this year over a full season. There is some question of were the Lakers disinterested a little bit in this game. They, like I said, they have a tendency to do that. You can also wonder how much of it was somebody like Kelly Olenek changing the way that the Lakers were prepared for this series. He kind of makes Dwight Howard irrelevant. Howard, well, even Myers Leonard too, with, the, with their shooting ability, and makes somebody like Howard a little bit pointless in a series like this because he's supposed to be down at the rim, banging away down there. The Heat looked great. They they just they looked great. They were in that game the whole time and. I am rooting for the Lakers to win this series. So part of it just might be me coloring it a little bit in a, in a darker way. But watching that game, I never felt comfortable. It felt a lot like the Denver series when they started to get, when Denver started to get comfortable in the third quarter of game two. They just, they were moving better than the Lakers. They were crisper. They were a step ahead, which carried its way into game three. Yeah. So game three just ended not too long ago. And Jimmy Butler doesn't want to go home. <laughs> he put, put away 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. I think I saw that he's only the fourth player to ever have a 40 point triple double in the NBA finals. Was it fourth? I thought it was third. Oh, you may be right. Yeah, he is the third. 
Sorry. Third player okay. to ever have a 40-point triple-double in the NBA Finals. Tyler Hero tonight wasn't a huge presence, but Tyler Hero has scored in double figures of every playoff game of this series. Most of these games he has not started, and so it's it's been really fun to watch him really start to come alive. LeBron James led the Lakers with 25, Anthony Davis with only 15 tonight. We saw a very energized Miami Heat team, is I think how I would describe it tonight. For sure. Butler was fantastic. That's one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Uh, Speaking about Hero, he wasn't great for a lot of this game, but the dude never loses confidence. And he just decided to keep shooting and keep trying to make plays in the fourth quarter. And he did. He hit one three on the right wing that I mean, huge shot. And then he was making layups towards the end there, at least one layup towards the end as I my attention started to wane a little bit in watching the game. The kid just, it, you would think it's irrational confidence, but I'm not sure it's irrational. He just, he thinks he belongs in every moment, except for game one. I he That's understandable. You, you have to work your way in into the finals a bit, but he thinks he belongs here. I thought, other than Butler being great and the Heat playing fairly well, not tremendous, but fairly well, offensively, the Lakers just, I, man, they were bad to start the game. They were so bad to start the game. And some of it is they had a great execution on guarding Anthony Davis what Crowder and Iguodala did, fronting him, getting underneath him, keeping him uncomfortable, sending the doubles over. But there were some sloppy turnovers from LeBron early on, sloppy turnovers from Davis early on that were beyond just heat execution. It was just bad Laker play. And it was a hole that technically they did climb out of because they took leads, but it felt early on like it just wasn't their night one of the things i'm looking at here we see lakers had 19 turnovers tonight seems like so much more their biggest lead of the night was only four points they only held the lead for one possession in the whole second half um this was definitely a uh, a miami heat filled game We're obviously going to have five games in this series. When we look at the game on Tuesday night, we we feel fairly confident that Gordon Dragic will not be playing the rest of this series. Bam Adebayo is still questionable. I think he was listed as quote-unquote doubtful tonight. Assuming the worst, Bodie, and there's no Bam Adebayo and there's no Gordon Dragic, can the Miami Heat do what they did tonight on Tuesday? Can they? Yes. Will they? I don't think so. If only because Anthony Davis was so bad in this game. And the four fouls didn't help. He only shot the ball nine times in the entire game. Kyle Kuzma took more shots. Marquis Morris took more shots. Rondo almost took as many shots. Even when he was out there, except for a stretch where he hit a bucket and then had a had a tip slam, you never saw him do 
anything offensively or defensively. And if he is as great as we think he is and as he has been, he's not going to do that two games in a row. There's a lot of noise and plus minus from single games, but when it's this drastic, I think there's something to take from it. Yeah, I I saw this too. Yeah, LeBron was a minus four, which isn't good, but when the rest of your starting lineup is minus 26, minus 15, minus 15, minus 26, that minus four looks really, really good. It, it shows, one, how bad some of these guys were and just how off the team was, which happens. But I think some of it was a Lakers disinterest and some of it was you have a bad game in a series sometimes. Yeah, I I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is Miami just wanted it more. I, I think it's as simple as that. Jimmy Butler was not complacent. He had a chip on his shoulder, and I think he knew that people were counting him out. And when we look back on Jimmy Butler's career, whether it was with Minnesota, whether it was with Chicago, whether it was with Philadelphia, everywhere that he was playing, he's always been like, we know you're good, but you know, you're not the best guy on the floor tonight. And he proved him wrong tonight. That's for damn sure. He looked dominant out there all night. You're right. And the way he was playing in the last two games, game one, Game, game ones are weird. Game two, he was their leading scorer. He played very, very well. But obviously he needed to step up a little bit more in the scoring category. And man, did he come through. It was, I don't even know if he took a three-pointer tonight. I'm gonna he didn't. Look, he didn't. I didn't remember him ever shooting a three. And I was just waiting for that fourth quarter. Butler hits a dagger three on the right wing. But he never needed to. He no. just kept hitting mid-range jump shots and free throws the whole game. It was it was like an Anthony Davis game too, really. It, he was man, he was so good tonight. What do we expect from LeBron and AD going into the rest of this series? I think this has been their one if you even want to call it that for LeBron, but this has been their one dud game that they were clearly outplayed. When we look at game four, are we thinking that LeBron is the one with the chip on his shoulder now, or does Jimmy Butler still have more to prove? So if we look at game four of the Western Conference Finals, the Lakers played another dud in game three of that series, and Davis wasn't, wasn't very good there either. And the Lakers started game four by posting up AD over and over and over again. I think he was five for his first five with 10 points quick in that game. It's really what he can be doing every game in this series if they are defending him with Jay Crowder. I don't know if they'll do that again, but I would not be surprised if they really tried to establish him like they did in that game because he is their single biggest matchup advantage. What I do wonder is, will Miami sell out on defending him because the Lakers are not hitting three-pointers? Their starting lineup is not hitting three-pointers. 
Danny Green, I wonder if his hip is okay. He was questionable earlier on Sunday. He's one of 12 from three in the last two games. Contavious Caldwell-Pope has not been shooting the three very well since the opening to game one. If AD doesn't have people to... To spread the floor out. Yes, and if LeBron doesn't have people to spread the floor out so he can get to the rim, it's questionable. Not questionable because they're so good. It, It just makes it that much harder for those two to put up the numbers that they need to put up. But that's why you have those two guys that that's why you have them. And that's why they're still the favorites to win this series and to win game four. So game five will be on Friday. If something happens and we do end up only having a five game series, we will be in your feed on Saturday morning. Otherwise expect to see your next episode of Basket Bubble on your usual time of Monday mornings. Bodie, any final thoughts here? I know that we're just coming off of a Lakers loss, which is pretty rare, but is still very troubling to you. Do you feel hopeful? We we had both said six-game series with a Lakers win. That means that the Heat will be winning two of those six games. So this is one of them. Um, do you still feel confident about that? I do. It's the circumstance of this loss when you have two guys, two big starters out on the other team. You don't expect to lose the game. Just leaves a bitter taste unlike a normal loss. But yeah, I said six. I would not come off that now if anything, I'd say they, if anything changed, I'd say they would win in five, but I'll stick with six. Well, Ronnie Brewer himself said the Lakers in five. You know what? Lakers in five. I'm going. I'm hey now. LeBron and AD. I'm doing it. Lakers in five. I'm. We got some, yeah. we got some peer pressure going on here. Ronnie Brewer has, has coerced you into <laughs> moving your series up. They should. They really should. AD was so bad. And they still almost won this game at times. They just put the foot down and win the series. Well, there you have it. I think that's a good place to end this. I'm still sticking with six. I think this Miami Heat team has been very unexpected in every way, shape, and form in these playoffs. And and I would not be surprised to see him win one more. Basket Bubble is hosted by Matthew Moore. That's me. And Bodie, that's him. Thank you, Bodie. Ah, thank you, Matthew. And thank you to our wonderful guest, Ronnie Brewer, for coming on the show. Our theme song is by Bad Snacks. Join us next week as we maybe wrap up the show. Who's to say? We'll find out very soon. Stay safe out there, Bubbletonians. We'll see you next week.